God chose what he wanted us to have, and that is all of his word. So we looked at the canon in its historical presentation. Today we want to go deeper than the councils that met, that agreed on, that decided on what was going to go into the canon, which is a collection of what God had already given to his people. Now, before we go too far, I want you to look at what's there on the screen and realize something. You can't change history by not talking about it. Amen? Amen. I'm, I can send everyone a PDF. But the statement is this, for those listening to the podcast, the Roman Catholic Church did not write the Bible. Now you may say that's, that's obvious. Some people would say it's obvious. Others would not say it's obvious because many persons think that they did. The Roman Catholic Church, as it is today, was not in existence during the first three centuries after Christ. It only rose to prominence after the ecumenical efforts of Constantine legalized Christianity. And even then, it was a process that spanned several centuries. The first, very first historical reference to the exact 27 books which make up the New Testament did not appear until well after the Council of Nicaea, which we looked at that last week, in the letter penned by Athanasius, his Easter letter of AD 367, all 27 books were listed. The Synod of Hippo, 8393, after the death of Christ, 393, apparently referred to a list of writings that could be read in church. Nothing from this Synod is still in existence today. It is only known because it was re referenced in the Synod of Carthage, 8397. Even this historical reference from Carthage Canon 24 does not list every single document. How does God keep in circulation that which he has established and prevent men from destroying it? He does it by his spirit. Now this next word that's coming up here, the Texas Receptus. I think all my Slides are loaded now. Yeah, he's still bouncing. He's <laughs> that, those are the entry points. That's why I say it's different from the map. So if we look at the first, uh, uh, consider the Greek text. You understand that the New Testament was written in Greek and then translated for us. You have what is called the majority text, which is the Textus Receptus, and the minority text, primarily used with the Westcott. Hort's Greek text based primarily on the Codex Sinaiticus and the Codex Vaticanus. That sounds jumbled and technical, but it's really not. Think of it this way. All of the manuscripts used to create one particular Bible were taken over centuries and over time. All of the writings collected. The majority, 95% of those manuscripts and texts 
that were left to us in antiquity were used to make one particular Bible. On the other side, a minority or a few of those manuscripts were taken to make other types of Bibles. So when you read the majority text or you read the Textus Receptus, those are the manuscripts that were taken to create what you and I would call uh, the King James Bible. We'll get to that in detail later. But understand, that's the difference between the majority and the minority. One using the larger portion, as we'll go, I'll go ahead and read it now. The Textus Receptus is the text that has been used for 2,000 years by Christians. It is known by other names such as the traditional text, you may have heard that, majority text, which you just said, the Byzantine text, or the Syrian text. The Textus Receptus was God's preserved word in the original New Testament language. So from generation to generation, God ensured that what he said and is saying is preserved, not allowing men to destroy it by his own means. Mm. The Textus Receptus is based on the vast majority of over 95 of the 5,300 plus Greek manuscripts in existence, which is what I just said. Mm. That is why it is also called majority text. So when you look at what has been preserved through antiquity, through history, of the original Greek manuscripts, over nearly uh, 6,500 plus texts have been preserved. So we know exactly what was written. We're not guessing, did they write that in the, in the early stages of development of what we call the church? We know that they wrote it, we still have the text. You can go to the museums and archives, and if you can read Greek, you can look at them yourself. So we're looking at, this is what the Bible should be based upon, the actual manuscripts. Not somebody making it up after the fact, but what was actually written and preserved by God. That is the majority text. The Textus Receptus is not mutilated with deletions, additions, and amendments, as in the minority text. Now that is very important. If you're gonna build, a car, I'd say for instance, just for example, and you have some of the knowledge of how to build the car up to everything except from the engine forward. You know how to make the seats, you know, you know how to, to construct the tires, you're okay with the upholstery, you're fine with the spray painting, but you just haven't quite made out how to build the engine. How successful will your car be at winning any races? None. Unless you're gonna push it really fast. <laughs> so you, you've got parts of it, but there's something central that's lacking that's preventing it from being a whole piece. That's what happens if you use the minority text. My first thought when I was studying this is like, wait a minute, if you know that there are over 5,000 original Greek manuscripts, why wouldn't you use all of them? What, why would somebody, knowing this is preserved by God, why would you use less? Have you ever seen a person 
and I hope you're not the person I'm describing, God help, get a recipe, and the recipe calls for certain ingredients. And they said, ah, oh, I'm not gonna put that much in there. I'm gonna be conservative. I'm just gonna put maybe half of what they prescribed. They get to the next ingredient. They said, well, I know they said to put this much, two eggs, I'll just put half an egg. They get to the next ingredient and say, well, it, it says a cup of this, but I'll just, I'll just put maybe a quarter of that. When you finish, guess what? It will not taste like the other person's, whatever they made, cake or, or, or roast dinner, whatever, because they follow a recipe and put everything in it. But if I now start chopping out pieces, editing, removing, deleting, amending, what I end up with is not what the Father wants. Do you understand? This battle for the Word of God is going on even as you sit in your comfortable chairs right now. The Texas Receptus agrees with the earliest versions of the Bible. The Persheta, A.D. 150, the Old Latin Vulgate, A.D. 157, the Italic Bible, A.D. 157 again, etc. These Bibles were produced some 200 years before the minority texts, like the Vatican and the Sinai, favored by the Roman Catholic Church. Now, I didn't put that in history, okay? I've had people ask me about, why do you talk about the Roman Catholic Church? I'm talking about history, okay? I didn't make it. I didn't create it. I didn't make it up. If you want to go to the library and do your own research, by all means, go ahead. When you find out what I have found out, you'll come back and you'll concur. We talked about this when we, when we taught on Constantine, how that his effort to unify his kingdom and to make Christianity almost into a state religion, even though others came and actually did the ratification, he was pushing in that direction. You'd have a Roman order taking off political robes and putting on religious robes. Do you understand? That's why when you read your Bible and you see that, wait a minute, these were all Jewish individuals who went out and preached the gospel such as Paul, Timothy, and others. When the New Testament comes along, then we have the Greeks coming into the flow. So when they now receive the Holy Spirit, if you go and read in Acts chapter 2, you'll see who was in the upper room. There were no Roman senators sitting in the upper room, Acts chapter 2. <laughs> These were all people... Uh, as you look at your Bible, it will tell you there were Jews from all over who were there gathered and they heard them speaking in other tongues after the Holy Spirit came, okay? So how do you get from that collection of pri primarily Jewish persons to church fathers from the Roman Catholic Church? What happened? Has anyone ever asked that question? What happened to this demographic going from primarily led by a small group of folks believing in Jesus? They said following Christ. They were called Christians at Antioch first. Why? Because they followed the Christ to having a Roman Catholic point. It was under Constantine. This is exactly what happened. Again, that's a different study, but I want you to see it in context that when we are looking at what are you using 
to create your Bible is going to determine the outcome of the Bible, all right? What you use to build it will determine what you have when you finish, as we said with the car. If you don't have all the parts or the pieces or the knowledge, what you will end up with is something unusable. The Texas Receptus agrees with the vast majority of the 86,000 plus citations from scripture by the early church fathers. The Texas Receptus is untainted with Egyptian philosophy and unbelief. You'd be shocked at what's in some of these other books. The Texas Receptus strongly upholds the fundamental doctrines of the Christian faith. The creation account in Genesis, the divinity of Jesus Christ, the virgin birth. Now, these sound like, well, are you trying to tell me that there are Bibles that deny these things? Yes. All Everything that I'm reading, I can hand you text translations, Bibles that are in circulation now that deny the Genesis account, that deny the divinity of Christ, that deny the virgin birth, that deny the Savior's miracles, that deny his bodily resurrection, his literal return, and the cleansing power of his blood. And they're called Bibles. And you say, how can you deny all of that and it still be a Bible? That is, we'll get to that again. The Texas Receptus was and still is the enemy of the Roman Catholic Church in, in that it stands for things that the Vulgate, Latin Vulgate, and the Sinai do not because they're based on the minority text. It, 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 this is something that's been happening for centuries. We're walking in here today hearing this. Some of you may be hearing it new. Those who may be listening to the podcast may be hearing it new. This is an old battlefront that we will see soon that the technology is bringing it into another level that was not seen before. And we have to deal with that as well. Now the next line here, just to show us the detail involved, these are various translations. I'm going to give you a handout shortly and we're going to walk through it together. I want you to see the evidence, and, and it's not just me saying it. <coughs> the NASB, the NIV, the Jehovah's Witness Bible, which is called the New World Translation, and most modern translations are paraphrases, use the Westcott and Hort Greek text, which is supported by only a small portion, 5%, folks, 5% of the existing manuscripts, including the Codex Vaticanus, we just read that earlier, the Codex Sinaiticus, the uh, Alexandrian Codex, the Parisian Codex, and the Codex Benze. Now the Codex is just another word for manuscripts, right? So when you look at what they're using, all of these Bibles, including the Jehovah's Witness Bible, they're only basing what they're writing on 5%. 5% of what's available. Again, why would you take less of the text that's available, the manuscripts are available, to, write a, to create a Bible that you expect people to get to God with less than his word? For obvious reasons, this text is referred to as the minority text because it's, it's less than the majority. Relied heavily 
on the Vaticanus and the Sinaiticus for their Greek texts, which is particularly odd considering the fact that these two codices contradict each other over 3,000 times in the Gospels alone. Mm. The minority text and the majority text contradict each other over 3,000 times. Now you think that's not important? People come to Christ and they go to a church and God bless them. Someone hands them a Bible. And they're so happy because they got a Bible. And I'm happy for them too. But I would not go to your daughter or your son and hand them a lollipop laced with cyanide or strychnine or rat poison. Say, here, have this. Uh, yeah, it is a lollipop. However, I, did I tell you I, I dipped it in, in battery acid? And you take that and you run off with it and say, hey, I got a Bible. Read your Bible. Well, you should say, which Bible are you reading? Amen. Not just read a Bible. Which Bible? Mm. New American Standard? The, uh, new, uh, in the NIV? The International Version? Well, what am I reading here? New International? What am I reading? This is a message that the world should hear, especially the church world. Because they are mixing and changing God's words where people are trying to make a stand for Christ based on error. And they're getting the result of the error in their lives wondering, what is going on? Well, what are you reading? In the year 1844, whilst traveling under the patronage of Frederick Augustus, King of Saxony, in quest of manuscripts, forgive me of the mispronunciation, Tischendorf reached the covenant of St. Catherine on Mount Sinai. Here, observing some old-looking documents in a basket full of papers ready for lighting the stove, he picked them out and discovered that they were 43 vellum leaves of the Septuagint version. Some enemies of the defense of the King James Bible have claimed that the manuscripts were not found in a wastebasket, but they were. That is exactly how Tischendorf described it. Quote, I perceived a large and wide basket full of old parchments, and the librarian told me that two heaps like this had been already committed to the flames. What was, my, uh, what was my surprise to find amid this heap of papers? This is the narrative of the discovery of the Synatic Manuscripts, page 23, John Bunyan, who was alive when Tischendorf discovered the Codex Synaticus and also personally visited St. Catherine's to research ancient manuscripts, testified that the manuscripts got deposited in the waste paper basket of the covenant. The revision revised 1883. So even as far as the 1800s, pieces of manuscripts were being discovered that people didn't know where they were or what value they were to the Christian faith. Yet here's someone using them to light the fire uh, in, their, in their monastery to keep things warm. Let me get all these loaded up across here. And then I'll go to the other handout. So, look at this. WH on this slide represents the Westcott Hort Greek Testament or the minority text. When you see WH, think of Westcott Hort, also think of minority. That's the minority text. If you see TR, 
think of Texas receptors or majority text. So when you work your way through this diagram here, the stars of the lectionary, the three here, uh, is a book that contains a collection of scripture readings. So the table gives us an approximate number and percent of each type of Greek manuscript that supports the Westcott and Hort text, as well as a number of and percent of each class that supports the Texas Receptus, Greek text. These approximations are taken from the careful research by Dr. Jack Mormon in his book, Forever Settled, from the fourfold superiority of the King James Version by Dr. D.A. Waite. So in this column, you have the types of manuscripts, papyrus, unical, cursive, and then at the bottom, lectionary. In this column, you have the total of those types of manuscripts in existence. So for the papyrus, there are 88 pieces in existence. For the unical, there are 267 pieces in existence. For the cursive, there's 2,764. And for the lectionary, 2,000. Uh, 2,143. Now, those are, <laughs> that's what we have to work with, ladies and gentlemen. We can't make any more up. We can't go to the, the Xerox copier and, and print off a few. That's what we have. Mm -hmm. Okay? So if you're going to start now creating manuscripts or creating Bibles from manuscripts, this is what you have to work with. Mm. So again, we raise the question, why would you, if you have these in existence, why would you not use them all? Yeah. The number supported by the WH, Westcott Hort Greek New Testament, the majority text, they only use 13 of the papyrus manuscripts available, which is 15%. The Texas Receptors use 75 of that 88, which is 85%. Still not 100, but a lot better than 15%. From the Unicol text available, out of that 267, the Westcott only used 9. 3%. The number that is supported, used by the Texas Receptors, 258 pieces of the 267, 97% of the cursive of the 2,764 pieces of manuscript available, the Westcott Hort minority text used 23, 1% of what, you're like, what is going on? There's, there's a cache there and you use 23? What is your objective? What is your aim? The, the Texas Receptus, majority text, 2,741 pieces used of the available. 99% used for the Texas Receptus. From the lectionary, of that 2,143 pieces of scripture available, Westcott Horton, zero. They didn't even touch it. They didn't even look at it. They are like, well, whatever. Texas Receptus, 2,143, 100% was used. Church, this is not going over our heads. This is going directly to us. Now, I will show you something, and I will also give you something. If I can get my kind, gentle, and loving assistance.
to distribute those to every person available. All I have done is give out on our presentation here a few listings. What I'm having handed out to you now is the entirety of this document. The website references there, www.av1611.org, biblecom.html. The following list, 300 verses that have been changed in the seven most popular versions, right? What you have in your hands is what you're seeing on the screen. What's on the screen will terminate. What you have in your hand is the entirety of the 300 changes. So NI stands for New International Version, as we've said. Some people call it NIV. So if you say NI or NIV, it's the same book, New International. New King James, which is a surprise. It is there, but it is. The New King James is also listed here. The NRS is the New Revised Standard Version. NC stands for New Century. NAS stands for New American Standard Version. RS stands for Revised Standard Version, or RSV as it is also known. And LB stands for the Living Bible. Now if you have one of these before today, there's no blame apportioned to you because you didn't know. If you have one of these after today, the responsibility of what you're eating rests with you. I'm not going to come to your house and do a Bible check. I'm not going to stop you in the street and say, pull your, pull your pants pockets out. Which Bible are you carrying? <laughs> You'll be convicted by the Holy Spirit or not. Whoever will be listening to this podcast will be convicted or not. Some people will say it's too intellectual, it's too high. This is what you are eating. The same people who would have that argument are the same people who never read a label when they buy food. They just eat it. They, just eat it. they don't even care what's in it. Those are the same persons who would argue over this being too intellectual for church. This is exactly where it needs to be. On the left side, we have the verses. In the center, we have what was changed from the original text. And on the right side, you have which one of those seven popular versions made the change? R-E-M means removed. If you see R-E-M, that means they took it out completely. If you see C-H-G down the center, that means it was changed. So we're only going to go through some of these. Again, I'm not going to go through all 300 because time would fail. But starting here in the New Testament with Matthew chapter 1, verse 25, we see that the word firstborn was removed from the New International Version, the American Standard Version, the Revised Standard Version, the New Revised Standard Version, the Living Bible, and the New Century. Every one of them took out the name firstborn. Who are we talking about? Who's the firstborn? Jesus. Why, why would you take that out? What, what is the point? Matthew 5.22, completely removed, without a cause. And there you have NIV, the NAS, RS, NRS, LB, and NC. Every one of them, again, guilty as charged. Matthew 5.44, remove 12 words. Bless them that curse you. <laughs> Why would you take that out? What, do you want to fight with, with folks? They removed it completely. 
NIV, the NAS, RS, NRS, LV, and I'm glad that it's written because you can check it for yourself. Get that Bible translation. Go to that text and see if it's there. Matthew 6.13, they removed the last 14 words, for thy king, for, for thine is the kingdom. Yes. Why would you take that out? Of the Lord's Prayer, thine is the kingdom. Of course it's, it's his kingdom. What is the, was the point of removing something that actually benefits the believer? Matthew 6.27, this was changed from a cubit to his stature. You can add a cubit to his stature. It was changed to add an hour to his life. Exactly. Why? Why? A cubit to his stature. You are not able to create yourself, mm. manipulate what God has made. Mm. And they changed it to time. Mm. It went from creative power to manipulation of time. Matthew 6.33, they remove of God. N-I-S, N-A-S, R-S, N-R-S, L-B, N-C. Matthew 8.29, they remove the word Jesus. <laughs> Why? Who are you talking about? Hey. Now, we'll give you one insight as I was studying that one gentleman proposed. Many of the translators were trying to get Bibles into non-Christian countries. So they figured that Muslims who do not believe, yes, I'm saying it on public, who do not believe that God had a son would reject Jesus as being the son of God. So to alter the Bible so that it doesn't look like he's the son of God, he's just what they call him, a God-man, a prophet. That's acceptable in Muslim countries where they do not believe that God had a son. Did you know that? So they alter, and you'll see later even more evidence as you're going through, but if you alter the person of Jesus, he's now acceptable to a, a vast number of non-Christian persons. So, Matthew 9, 13, they remove to repentance. Now if you want to get your Bible now, pull it up, have a look. NIV, NAS, RS, NRS, LB, NC. Matthew eleven twenty three. remove the word hell, the doctrine of hell, going out the window. Matthew 12, 6, remove one greater to something greater. Mm. Matthew 12, 35, remove of the hearts, completely gone. Matthew 12, 40, change whale to a fish or sea monster. What swallowed the errant one? Matthew 12, 47, they removed the entire verse, just took it out altogether without any explanation. We're talking about the Bible, ladies and gentlemen, and we're talking about why it has been manipulated. Again, we're only going up to this point here, a few minutes more. This is just in Matthew. You have over 300 alterations in your hand. We're just in Matthew. We haven't even got to know the synoptic gospel. We're just, we're just right here. Matthew 6, 27. Change cubit to his stature, two hours to his life. Oh, that's a, that's a reprint. Yeah, that's a reprint of that first one. Get the next page up here. Yes, that's the one. So, uh, 16, Matthew 16, 3. Remove, oh, ye hypocrites. 
in all five, in all five, it was, it was removed, all six removed. Uh, Matthew 16, 18, it removed the word hell again. I'm, I'm reading, over reading what I just read. 16, 20, removed Jesus. Uh, Matthew 17, 21, removed the entire verse. Matthew 18, 11, removed the entire verse again. A key verse. Took it out. Why are you taking it out of the Bible? Go there and read what it says. Read what they removed. Matthew 18, 27, removed and worshiped him. For Jesus, why would you want the reference to the worship of Jesus removed? Again, what is going on? This is a diabolical and intentional plan. Matthew 19.9, remove the last 11 words. All six, N-I-V, N-A-S, R-S, N-R-S, L-B, and N-C, all removed the last 11 words of Matthew 9. Matthew 19, 17, changed, why callest thou me good, to why do you ask me about what is good? <laughs> Diabolical. Goodness. Diabolical. Jesus, the sure Son of God, divert the focus from him and put it onto the subject of good, as opposed to he who is good. Matthew 19, 17 again. Removed the word God. Completely took it out of the scripture. Matthew 27, 20 and 7. Removed and whatsoever is right, that shall ye received. Shall receive. In a NIV, NAS, RS, NRS, LB, and NC. These are the biggest perpetrators. These are world-famous Bibles. Of the seven, these six come up over and over and over, as you can see on your chart. Why are you destroying people, taking away their faith? Matthew 20, 16, the last reference here. They remove for many be called, but few chosen. We have a few minutes left and one slide left. Ladies and gentlemen, this is serious business. I'm giving you something to arm yourself, something that you can go away and study. If you're not serious about your Bible study, then I, I, I stand down. But if you're actually concerned about, like I say, with your diet, what you eat, and uh, what goes in your body, then surely you're more concerned about your spirit and what goes in your soul. This is what the Word of God says to us. John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word. Amen. So that, that's the very beginning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Yes. John 1, 2, the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shined in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Do we not see if the word was in the beginning, if you are changing the word, what are you saying? We're taking Christ away. He who made all things, we're removing him. In the beginning was the word. In the beginning was the word. In the beginning was the word. John 1.14, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten Son. He's the only begotten of the Father. Jesus is the only begotten one. You cannot take that out of the Bible. You cannot take the reference away. You cannot say, well, he's a good guy or a good prophet. No, he is the only begotten of God. Yes. 
full of grace and glory and truth. If you remove Jesus, you remove the Word. Yes. That's holding everything together is the Word. John 8, 31. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my Word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. What is the truth? It's his word. John 15, 3. Know ye, now ye are clean through what? The word which I have spoken unto you. Well, if I'm clean through his word, and they're changing the word, how can I be clean? How can I be clean if you're taking the word away? So clear and so plain. John 15, 7. If ye abide in me and my words abide in you. You shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. You need the word to receive from God. Amen. It's right in front of our faces. John 17, 17. Sanctify them through thy truth. What is truth, Lord? Thy word, word is truth. Amen. Over and over and over. Mark 13, 30. Verily I say unto you that this generation shall not pass till all all these things be done. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. That's why we're fighting and battling to stay with the word of God. All this stuff you see is going away, but the word of God will remain. Deuteronomy 4.2 Ye shall not add unto the word which I have commanded you, neither shall ye diminish aught from it, that ye may keep the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you. That's the principle written in stone. Amen. Deuteronomy 8, 3. And he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger. Why? And fed thee with manna, which thou knowest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Yes. Did not Jesus quote this to the devil? Mm -hmm. In his battle, he quoted right there from Deuteronomy yes. 8.3. He quoted, man shall not live. Fighting the devil, he quoted the word. Yes. If you don't have the word, you can't fight the devil. He's got you. He knows. He's laughing because you're quoting science or a book or technology. You need the word. Mm -hmm. Jesus said, my word is alive. It's full of power. Amen. And without his word, we have nothing. Yes. Titus 1.9, holding fast. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Holding fast the faithful word yes. as he hath been taught that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. That's Paul teaching his son yes. Titus. Yes. If you've got the word, you have sound doctrine. If you've got the word, you can exhort. You can convince people based on the word of God. Last scripture for today, yes. Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, Amen. piercing even to the dividing asunder yes. of the soul and spirit, of the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Now you see why they're trying to change it. There is no power when you change his word. There is no discerning when you change his word. There is no dividing when you change his word. There is nothing to hold you. No conviction. There's nothing. No conviction, no salvation. There's nothing. No life. Beloved, we have, we have a sure word of prophecy in Christ. 
God is not a fool. He has left us everything that pertains to life and wow. godliness. He's given yeah. us everything. Yes. Let's hold to his word. This is the history of the canon. Again, we can send you the, the whole entire presentation. You can dig through it. You can cut it in pieces. You can boil it. You can fry it. Uh, you can do whatever you want to do. Look through it. And I dare anyone listening online to contradict what's written herein. Mm. We're going to stand on the word. With every breath in my body, Hallelujah. I will say it over and over. We are people of the word of God. Amen. I get two amens. Amen. Father, we stand together in Jesus' name to agree yes, that Father. you have given us your sure word. Amen. And that your word is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, yes, for exhortation, God. for correction. Oh, and we will not go in another direction. Amen. We stand on the word as you have given it to us, Amen. preserved it over the hundreds of thousands of years for us, Daddy God, that even the living word, Jesus himself, dwell among us. Lord, give us sharper discernment and discerning. Yes, give us a desire to make up our minds to look at the Bibles we are holding and to know what is and what is not your word. Amen. We make a decision to follow you and Amen. you alone. Yes, and Lord. we thank you for your covenant and your keeping. Father, we pray for every person who will hear this podcast Amen. and decide, yes, look at the Bible they are holding. Oh, are you following God's word or following the words of men? Lord, let the convicting power of the Holy Spirit be on every hearer to make up their mind what they're going to follow. Yes. Lord, let it be to follow you. Let it be to follow yes. your word yes. in the mighty matchless Holy name Father, of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Find your neighbor, your friend, put your arm around them, tell them to read the word. Arm around.